Welcome to the King's Church Warrington podcast. Inspirational teaching from our Sunday celebrations. This morning we are, as, as Julia said earlier, we're starting a new series which is called As You Go. And when we think about those phrases, it, it, it sort of comes from different points in the Bible. And you'll hear it said time and time again in the Bible, as you go. Our faith as Christians is meant to be a movement, not a monument. Okay, I always remember back in the day, um, we as a as a in our, our previous church went to do uh, an event at Hollybush. Some of you will have heard of Jim Wilkinson and the, the Hollybush Church over in North Yorkshire, and uh, we we went across to uh, to do a, a, an evening for them there. And, and David Tinian, who was was our senior pastor at the time, was speaking, and he spoke about how we can very easily as church go from being a movement to being a monument. And, and it's really important that we keep moving. Our faith is meant to be movement. And what we all have a tendency to do, I think, is to settle. We like settling. We live in a country, you know, we, we were, I was chatting about this in work the other day, how in our, our culture, there's a, a real sort of emphasis put on home ownership and on, you know, trying to, trying to buy a place, which is where you're going to stay. And that is foreign to any other culture. You go into any of the nations of Europe and rental is bigger than, than home ownership. You look in the US and rental is bigger than home ownership. And yet in this country, we like the idea of owning a home. There's something about that which makes us think about stability and security and all those kind of things. I have no problem with home ownership, all right? I, I, we own a home and it's a good thing to do. But even in that, that speaks about, this is where I'm going to stop, and I'm going to be here for a while. And yet, I believe Jesus calls us to live our lives as a movement. The, the church is called a movement, not a static. Yeah? Those of you who are um, caravan owners, you know, I remember back in, uh, in my, my childhood, really, we used to, we, did, we didn't go on the big overseas holiday. Well, we did go overseas. We went to Rill. Um, and, and it was great. It's a different nation. So, isn't it, Laura? You will accept that Wales is a different country? Yeah, very much so. I'm so tempted actually to stand and sing Land of Our Fathers, but I won't. I'll be, I'll be kind. But go, we used to go to Rill. And going to Rill was great. We used to love it. It was fantastic. But we used to go and stay in a static caravan. And I didn't fully understand that. I didn't fully understand that. It seemed to me that caravans were meant to be towed and taken to different places. That the idea is you can go to to a different place every week if you wanted to. But we used to go to Rome. We had a great time. I loved it. Sun Centre, all that kind of thing. It was fantastic. It's reopened, by the way. It's reopened at the Sun Centre in Rome. It closed. It closed during the during a day. Apparently, the place was packed, and the smell of sewage was so bad out of the changing rooms that they came in and closed it down and threw everyone out. Anyway, it's reopened. I don't know why I told you that, but it has. So, why not? So we are called to be a movement. Life is meant to be an adventure. It's not meant to be an impossible climb. God calls us to go to different places and different experiences with him. Have you ever noticed, if I were to ask you who wrote the most of the New Testament, who would your guess be? Paul. People all saying Paul. Paul's the obvious. Paul is not the correct answer. Luke is the correct answer. Paul wrote most of the letters, but word for word, Luke wrote most of the New Testament. He wrote two letters, and they're really meant to be read together. He's writing a letter to this guy, Theophilus. 
And Luke's gospel we read and we, we hear the stories of Jesus. And lots of people uh, would suggest that Mark was the first gospel written. I agree. I think it was. Um, it was written very soon after Jesus returned uh, to heaven. And then most people would agree, and I promise you this isn't heresy, okay? Most people would agree that Mark's gospel was then held by Matthew and was held by Luke. And so when they were writing their letters, they would reference Mark's gospel and they'd write down bits that was in Mark's gospel as well. That Mark's gospel was almost like the textbook that the other synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, one eye, synoptic, that we see the story the same way was sort of based around Mark's gospel. And Luke told the story. Luke was a detail man. He was a doctor. And he wanted to tell not just the big picture. He wanted to tell the story. He wanted to look at what was really going on in there. And so he writes to his mate, Theophilus, telling him what Jesus did. And then we get the Acts of the Apostles, where if you remember at the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, if you read it, it says, in my former book, Theophilus, I told you about what Jesus did. Now I'm going to talk to you about what happened next. And we get this next bit of the story where, where Luke talks about the church. So do you see how it's important that Jesus wasn't just talking and interested in what happened in the here and now when he was on planet earth walking around. But actually the church is the continuation of what Jesus did when he was walking the earth. You are the continuation of what Jesus did when he was walking the earth. It's quite a big responsibility. And so when you think of it like that, we can see why it's important to see that this is a movement, not a static. Jesus didn't just stay in one place. We've got that bit, haven't we, where he talks, he says, you know, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man's got nowhere to lay his head. Jesus would be all over the place. He went all over (coughs) Galilee and Jerusalem and all of that section of the Middle East. Jesus went. And so now he calls us to go. But he didn't just do it in one go. So, Luke 24, verse 49, says this. Wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. Have you ever wanted to run ahead of God? I have. You know that bit where you think, I've got a great idea, I'm going to do this. And it might be a great idea. But Jesus said, wait, don't just go, wait for a while. Because what's then going to happen is you're going to be clothed with power from on high. And he talks about the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to fill you, church. And then he's going to send you. If we go and do it in our own strength, we're, we're just on hiding to nothing. We are not going to win. Jesus calls us to wait until the Holy Spirit comes and fills us and equips us. I always remember one good idea that I had. It was a great idea. Uh, I hadn't been youth leader for too long in our in our previous church. And... We'd, we'd been to um, Stonely Bible Week and had a fantastic time there. The band were awesome, really, really good. We watched a couple of the concerts while we were there. The band was Fat Fish and they were fabulous. And we said, right, you know what? We're going to book them to come and play for our young people and come and play in our church, which we did. We booked them. Great idea. Nothing wrong with the idea. Good idea. At a similar time, we also had a sense that God was asking us to do a youth event, which was going to be sort of a mobile youth event, not just in one place. We were going to do it uh, around the town and further afield as opportunities arose. And that was called Severe Weather Warning. And we prepared and we planned for that. Now, here's where my good idea kicked in. My good idea was, we'll do a Severe Weather Warning event one week and we'll bring Fat Fish the next week so we can get some momentum. Good idea. 
big event, invite people along, concert the next week. It's going to be great. Problem was, if I'm being honest, I hadn't really prayed about that. I just thought it made sense. What then happened was, we got very, very focused on making sure that this event with severe weather warning was going to be good. We put loads of time and effort in, loads of preparation and got, you know, posters out, tickets sold, well, not tickets sold, posters out, tickets talked about and mentioned and all kinds of stuff happening. The thing is, I took my eye off the ball with the Fat Fish concert because I was so focused on the first thing I was doing, I just kind of ignored the next one. And it was on the Friday morning as we woke up to do the severe weather warning event that night that I suddenly thought, oh, pants, I've not done any publicity for Fat Fish next week. And suddenly panic kicks in. So then I'm sort of trying to just get all kinds of information out. My break-even figure was 300. I need 300 tickets sold, otherwise this is going to cost us a lot of money. And really, did I'm thinking, what are we, how are we going to do this in a week? Well, you know what? We ended up, we had a great severe weather warning event. It was good. It was good fun. Great launch. Great start. Superb. Fatfish concert, not so much so. The concert was okay. It was good. But we only had about 130 people there. So we made a loss of about £800. Which is a lot of money when you're running a youth work with, at that point, probably 35, 40 young people. I'm grateful that we had a really supportive eldership who just sort of backed us up and said, you know what, don't worry. We learn lessons like this and we'll make it work. And we paid the money back over time. But the point was, I went with my good idea rather than with what I think God was asking us to do. Sometimes we run ahead of God. We all have that tendency. And sometimes it's for a good reason. Sometimes it's because we're excited. Sometimes it's because we think, oh, that could really work. And don't misunderstand me. God gives us a brain to use and he invites us to use our, our intellects and our creativity. And there's nothing wrong with that. But let's always go from, first of all, God, what are you saying? And I think sometimes God gives us permissions to just go and do what we think. And I think sometimes God says, no, this is what I want you to do. My honest reflection, I went with my good idea rather than actually saying, God, what are you asking me to do here? We learned lessons and we did okay. Jesus said to the disciples, don't run ahead, wait here. Then we come to the book of Acts. And you will know this bit of the Bible. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God honors his promise. When he said, don't go anywhere because something's going to happen and you're going to be clothed with power from on high. The disciples probably at that point are thinking, well, what's that going to look like? In fact, they probably weren't even thinking that, if we're being honest, because I don't think the disciples really got it. I, I really don't. I don't think the disciples got it. When you know they, they spent their time with Jesus and they saw all kinds of things happening. But I think they were kind of just sussing it out as they went along. I think there were times when they thought, oh, I see what you're doing now, Jesus. And I think there were other times when they just kind of drifted through and were just like, I have no clue, but it's good, isn't it? And, but at this point, they did what Jesus asked. They waited. God will always honor his promise. He will. The question is, has God said it? 
not will God do it. If God has said it, he will do it. The thing to test is what is God saying? And I think, and again, that's, that's, sometimes that has been my, my weakness. Because I kind of think, that would be great. I would love it if God would say that. So let's chase after it. Just being honest with you this morning. I think we need to be better at saying, God, what are you actually saying to me? Because if he said it, there is nothing more certain on this planet than he will fulfill his promise to you. So let's be good at seeking God for his promise. You see, what happened was they were told to wait in, excuse me, wait in Jerusalem. And as they did wait in Jerusalem, Jesus then said, now start in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. Jesus had placed them where he wanted them to start. How good's that? Jesus had told them to wait in the very place where his plans were going to start happening for the church. God has placed you where he wants you. Steve, God is placing you where he wants you, mate. Yep, we're excited for you. God has got good things and he places us where he wants us and then he says, right, now start here. Okay, so what we're going to do this morning, I believe we're called to have a local and national and an international voice as followers of Jesus. But there are three pillars that we build on. All of us. This morning, we're just looking at some very, very basic things. It's a bit of a, just a reminder because Darren's going to be building on this next week. This is just a bit of a refresher. And there are some things we're going to look at today, which you, you've probably been a follower of Jesus for years and this is not new. But there are times when we need to have a checkup. You know my story. I was terrified of the dentist. The thought of going for a checkup was a nightmare. <laughs> but, I actually quite look forward to it now. Is that weird? Maybe a little bit. But we are called to have a checkup sometimes. So let's look at these three themes very quickly. And as we look at each of them, it might be something which you need to act on now, today. Or it might be something where actually this is going to help you to support other people on their journey with Jesus. Okay? So we're back to basics today. I think there are three pillars that, particularly in Acts 1 and 2, you see... If we don't have all three of these pillars in place, our faith will be wobbly. If we don't have the first pillar in, in place, that's hard to say, the first pillar in place, then actually we don't have any faith anyway. So we need these three pillars. And we're going to quickly look at each of them. So, the first one we're going to do, I've asked if we can wear this because I want to come down, if that's alright. Can I get down here without doing my ankle in? Uh, yeah, we can, right. Can I borrow one of these mics, son? What I'd like us to do is we're going to look at some scriptures and I'm going to come with the mic. I'd like different people to read them for us. Is that okay? So this first thing we're going to look at is following Jesus. And this is a really simple way to use the Bible to show people the story of what our faith is like. To show people how we can become a follower of Jesus. Okay? So the first verse. Can someone find for me John chapter 3. And verse 3. Let me know when you've got it. I'll come with them. Pete's already got it. He's on it. Wow, he's on fire. King's coach is all over again, isn't it, this lot? You've done this training. Go for it, Pete. John 3, 3. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Thanks, Peter. 
So the first thing to notice is that Jesus was the person who came up with the term born again. Okay, it wasn't Billy Graham, good as he was, he didn't come up with the idea. Jesus said we must be born again. And we understand that birth is an important part of everyone's life. It's the starting point of all of our lives. And Jesus said the first thing to notice is that we have to be born again. We have to experience God in our lives. It's no good just going through ritual and routine. We have to encounter God and be born again. Why is this important? Next verse, Sarah. Romans 3, verse 23. Could someone find that for us, please? Chris has got it. She's on it as well. Romans three twenty-three. Thanks, Chris. For we all have sinned and are in need of the glory of God. We all have sinned and are in need of the glory of God. Other versions say all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. The reality is, I think when we're honest with ourselves, we all recognize that we mess up. We all mess up in different ways and at different times. Everybody's sinned. Everybody falls short of God's standard. God's standard is perfection. That's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. Even our head coach, Justin, one of the things Justin says often in, in preparation for matches is, look guys, you're not going to play a perfect game. Just go and do your best and have fun and enjoy it. We all, if perfection was the standard that we had to live to, we would all struggle. And here's the trouble. It is. <laughs> it is. Perfection is the standard that God sets. Wow. Well, if that's the case, it's okay, isn't it, to say, well, all of us have sinned then. We've all fallen short of God's glory. Next verse, Sarah. So what does that mean? Romans 6, verse 23. Jane, whoa, wow, hand up quick. All right, Jane, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks, Jane. The wages of sin is death. There's a verse in the Bible where it says, a man is worthy of his wages. That's nice, isn't it, when you're earning money? (laughs) When the wages is death. But the fact that wages is the way it's described, it shows that we've earned it. That that's actually what we deserve because of that verse before. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So what we're going to get, what we deserve, is death. And that doesn't mean physical death. Although there's an argument you could say, if you look really in the early parts of the Bible, whether that was ever in the plan. But we're not talking about physical death here. We're talking about spiritual death. An eternity away from God. That is what we've all earned. That's the wages that we've earned. Because we've fallen short of God's glory. But the gift of God. Notice. Gift of God. Is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a gift. We can't earn it. There's nothing we can do to make it ours. God says, do you want this gift? It's yours if you want it. And so we receive God's glory. We receive God's forgiveness. We say, God, I know I've messed up. I know I've messed up. And I want to follow you now. Help me to live for you. I turn from all those things that I know I've done wrong. I want to live differently. I want to live for you, Jesus. Which leaves us with our final verse. And I know Lil's got this one. Ephesians 2.8. Sorry, oh, there's two more. I forgot to put that last one on. 
God saved you through faith as an act of kindness. You had nothing to do with it. Being saved is a gift from God. Wow. How good's that? Being saved is a gift from God. God gives it to us freely. Why would you not want that gift? Why would anyone not want that gift? God offers it to us freely. So this first pillar of following Jesus is not something where we've got to really work hard to do it. It's a gift of God and then a life of getting closer to him. But it's a free gift. Why would anyone not want that gift? We'll just read the final verse that I've got on there, which is Acts 2, 22 to 24. Who's going to read that one for us? Who's going to do that one? Brilliant. Thanks, Anne. Acts 2, 22 to 24. Thanks, Anne. Uh, you that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders and signs that God did through him among you. As you yourselves know, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Thanks, Anne. So Peter, on that first day of Pentecost, just tells the story. Jesus died so that we can have a relationship with God. Following Jesus is the first pillar on this. I'm going to drag this down. It's the first pillar that we need to do. And so, my first challenge for all of us today is do we follow Jesus? If you don't, do you want to? Because it's a free gift. And God's offering it to you today. And you might be thinking, I've come to church for years. Well, that's fine. That's good. But the problem is, that isn't going to make you a follower of Jesus. It just means that you come to church. And maybe, maybe some of us this morning would say, you know what, I made a decision to follow Jesus years ago, but I've not been following him. Today could be the morning when you decide, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm living for this. I'm going for it. So that's the first pillar, and it's the longest pillar, you'd be pleased to know. So the second one is baptism. I should have done this before. The second one is baptism. Water baptism. Again, we've got some verses to look at. Do you like my pink bowl? It's nice, that, isn't it? Okay. Acts 2, verse 38. Let's read this one together, shall we? Who's going to read that one for us? Acts 2, 38. You get how this works now, don't you? Brilliant. Thanks, Pete. There you go, my friend. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Fabulous. Thank you. Repent and be baptized. Do you notice the order? There is an order. It doesn't say be baptized and then consider repenting. Okay? The order is repent and then be baptized. Baptize, what does it mean? Just very simply, it means to fully immerse and soak. That, that's what the word means. 
forget all of the sort of theological, biblical connotations. Just at its very basic, baptize means to completely soak through. So when there was the, um, the cellars of purple cloth, the way that was stained, it was white cloth, and they would baptize the cloth into the, into the dye. And so the dye would completely go through the cloth, and the cloth changes color. It's just a practical word. Forget the theological connotations. It literally means to soak through. Okay? But obviously it's got pictures for us, hasn't it? So those of you who are getting baptized in a couple of weeks' time, it's picture language. It's a picture of death and of resurrection. It's a picture where the person goes under the water and that picture is saying, I've died to my old way of living. And now as I come up, I want to live for you, Jesus. I've risen again in you. That's the picture language. The Bible's full of picture language, isn't it? Loads of it. Loads of signs where, where the Bible gives pictures to help us remember things. Okay, it's not new. All right, so this, this is what baptism is. Matthew three thirteen to 15. Who'll read that one for us, please? You don't need my phone, you need the mic. Okay, who's going to read that one for us? Matthew three thirteen to 15. Who's on it? Thanks, Marjorie. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so for now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill righteousness. Then John consented. Fabulous, thank you. I think the first thing to say on that is that Jesus did it. And Jesus said, follow me. So this isn't just a case of a nice idea. Jesus was baptized. He was fully immersed in the Jordan. And and John the Baptist, not many of us have like job title in our names, do we? But John the Baptist, um, was he was baptizing people already. And Jesus said, right, my turn. If Jesus has to be baptized, surely we can see that we do too. Jesus set an example. You can be baptized as a non-Christian. You can. Because like we said, it's just a technical word for getting soaked through. So you can be baptized as a non-Christian. The problem is, all that happens is you come out as a wet non-Christian. Nothing's changed. Because all it is is picture language. You don't become a Christian when you're baptized. You get baptized because you've become a Christian. The order is repent and be baptized. So baptism is just, it's a picture language. It's something that's already happened. And Jesus himself was baptized. Romans 6, 1 to 4. Who'll read that one for us, please? Here we go. Alan, Brill, thank you. Romans 6, 1 to 4. What should we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. We, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Brilliant. Thanks, Alan. So there's your picture, isn't it? Baptized 
into Christ. That picture language. Jesus died and rose again. We die and rise again. Died to our old way of living. Rise again to live for him. It's a pitch language and it's a story. And very, very quickly, let's just explain um, the sort of theology that you do see in some other parts of the church around infant baptism. Okay? Um, so the, the picture, you will see it, won't you? You'll see it in the Bible. Time after time, where you'll see whole families are baptized. Someone becomes a follower of Jesus, usually the, the, the bloke in the household. That's just the story. Um, and as would often happen, it was a patriarchal society. And so the idea was the, the bloke led the house. He did something, and so he made a decision for his whole household. And the whole household would be baptized as a picture. And as a result, the kids would have been as well. That's what happened. But even in that context, the bit that we don't see of the story is the bit between him going home and saying, right guys, get your trunks, we're going getting baptized. What happens in that bit, we don't know. The story isn't told. But that is often the foundation and the starting point of the discussion around, in some traditions, um, a baby would be christened. And then the picture would be that later on they would be confirmed and the confirmation would be saying, those promises that those people made for me when I was a baby, I'm getting confirmed to confirm that what they said was going to happen has happened and I want to follow Jesus now. Okay, so that's, that's what happens in, in some other traditions. We don't do that here. The reason we don't do that here is we don't see it anywhere in the Bible. We do see households being baptised but we don't see this bit of, so what happened next? Okay? So what we would do is we say, okay, that bit isn't there. So if it's not there, let's do the bit that is. The bit that is, is repent and then be baptized, every one of you. So that's the reason that we do it that way. What we would do here is we'd, we would go through dedication. Dedication is when that baby is, is, is young, we would thank God for the safe delivery. And we would pray that in good time, they'll make their own decision to follow Jesus. No one can make that decision for you. That's what we've been saying, isn't it? It's the first pillar. So, repent and be baptized, every one of you. The final one. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. You see, this was the bit that they were waiting for. This was the bit that hadn't happened yet. Acts 2, 1 to 4. We're going to quickly read through these last few verses. So, Acts 2, 1 to 4. Who'll read that one for us, please? Who's up for it? Peter, fabulous. Thank you. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Fabulous. Next verse, please, Sarah. Acts 2, 38 to 39. Who'll read that one for us, please? It's like a reverse auction. Who'll read that one for us, please? Acts 2, Marjorie. Fabulous. 38 to 39. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all 
whom the Lord our God will call. Brilliant. Thanks, Marjorie. So we've got the mixture of those two pictures, the repent and be baptized, the Holy Spirit coming. Why does this matter? It matters because, just like a sponge, you've seen us do this before, just like the sponge is bone dry, it's baptized, it's soaked through, and now water drips out of it. In the same way, the Holy Spirit fills us, and then we leak. And so wherever we go, a little bit, <laughs> wherever we go, you'll kill me if I splash you, I can see the look in your eye already. Wherever we go, the idea is that we leak. And so the Holy Spirit leaks all over, all over the place. Oh, I could have so much fun. It leaks all over the place. I'm going to be kind. Look at that. It leaks everywhere. And this is the picture that he wants us to see. That because we're filled with his spirit, because we're filled with his power, it should impact people around us. There's a desk there. No, I'm too scared of you, love. Um, This is the picture that God has sent to us. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Filled so much by his power, that wherever we go, it makes a difference and has an impact. Acts 19, 1-7. We are going to read these last two scriptures and then we're going to finish, okay? Acts 19, 1-7. Who will read that one for us, please? Alan, Brill, thank you. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. The reason I wanted that scripture in there is because sometimes you hear people say it was a one-off event. The day of Pentecost happened and then that was it. No, there are other documented events and others beyond that in the New Testament where you'll see that the Holy Spirit moves and people's lives are impacted. And the final scripture we're going to read is from Mark's Gospel, and it's Mark 1, verse 4 to 8. Who will do that one for us, please? It's our last one. Thank you, Lil. John the Baptist was in the desert telling people about a baptism of repentance for the, forgiveness, for the forgiveness of sins. All Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went to him. As they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. John was dressed in clothes made from camel's hair. He wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He announced, the one who comes after me is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to bend down and untie his sandal straps. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Thanks, Lil. So who does the baptizing with the Holy Spirit? Jesus does. Jesus does. It's his gift to us. So, as we wrap our time 
in sort of looking at the Bible this morning like this, I want to remind you of those three pillars that we talked about. Because those three pillars are really, really important. The foundational to how we live as Christians. First question, are you a follower of Jesus? Not, did you pray a prayer one day? Are you a follower of Jesus? Secondly, have you been baptized in water? If you've not, do. 3rd of July is going to be great. It's going to be a really good night. We're going to celebrate together. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? If you haven't, you can be today. If you have, remember the picture. We leak, which is why it's the present continuous tense. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.